Atlanta Hawks forward John Collins has been a name that the Sacramento Kings have had rumored interest in for quite a while. Heck, I had a long discussion about bringing John Collins to Sacramento before the DeMontis Sabonis trade around the trade deadline. But now that the Kings have Sabonis and now that they have the fourth overall pick, does John Collins still make sense in Sacramento? And can the Kings actually put together a legitimate competitive offer to bring him to Sacramento? To answer those questions, I'm joined by Brad Roland, host of the Locked on Hawks podcast right here on Locked on Kings. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Of Locked on Kings. Hello and welcome to Locked on Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all regular season and all off season. If you're looking for in-depth analysis, game-by-game -game breakdowns, highlights, interviews with local and national experts, full coverage of your Sacramento Kings from January all the way through to December, this is the place for you, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. And today's episode is brought to you by Sakara. Sakara Nutrition is a wellness company anchored in food as medicine on a mission to nourish. Go to sakara.com slash locked on 20 or enter code locked on 20 at checkout for 20% off. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm looking forward to covering my ninth season of Sacramento Kings basketball. This is year five for me of hosting the Locked on Kings podcast, and I currently work for ABC 10 News in Sacramento. If you missed yesterday's Locked on Kings podcast, I was joined by Kuka Hill, Locked on Pistons. We talked about the possibility of the Kings swapping the four and five pick and the Kings getting Jeremy Grant as part of that deal. And continuing on with these hypothetical trade talks surrounding the fourth overall pick for the Sacramento Kings, it's only right that we talk once again again about a guy that we have talked about a lot over the last season or so as someone who could come and be a part of the Sacramento Kings's future. I'm talking about John Collins and John Collins potentially makes a lot of sense as that front court partner with DeMontis Sabonis. He certainly uh, becomes a clear starter here in Sacramento, which are one of my goals for this offseason is for the Kings to bring in five or, or finish the offseason with five established NBA starters. John Collins definitely is that. But also to give us the context of who Collins is as a player, how well he could hypothetically fit in Sacramento alongside DeMontis Sabonis and what it would take to bring him to Sacramento. I figured it was a great time to have Brad Roland back on here. I had Brad on before the trade deadline itself when we talked about a, a potential deal. It didn't sound like the Kings and the, the, the uh, Hawks made too much sense as trade partners at that time. Maybe that's changed now that the Kings are holding number four overall. Is there any realistic package that the Hawks could expect that was, would be better than receiving the fourth pick. Brad's going to answer all these questions. And then so right here on Locked On Kings, very excited to once again welcome back host of the Locked On Hawks, Brad Rowland. When the Kings were slotted to have the number seven pick, we talked a lot about the possibility of the Kings using that pick to trade for a player like John Collins, who theoretically fills a major hole that the Sacramento Kings have currently in their starting lineup. But now that that pick has moved up to number four, it seems more feasible that the Kings could acquire John Collins. But Kings fans are starting to wonder if John Collins isn't, if he's enough or not uh, to trade away the fourth overall pick. Regardless, 
The conversation is all centered around John Collins, whether or not he would, one, be a good fit next to DeMontis Sabonis, and two, even if the Atlanta Hawks would even humor uh, this trade with the Sacramento Kings. And to give us that perspective is Brad Roland, host of the Locked on Hawks podcast. Brad, we chatted right before the trade deadline, before the Kings pulled off the Sabonis trade, about uh, a John Collins trade with the Kings. Didn't sound like there was. it made much sense for both two teams to be trade partners. Now, here we are during the summertime, the Kings have the number four pick. Does it make a little more sense now? Yeah, I think so. Um, no matter kind of where you fall on the discussion, I think it's certainly entertaining and interesting on both sides. You know, there are arguments on both sides that I think are quite reasonable. So uh, I know it's already kind of bubbling in Hawksland too. That same sort of similar discussion, obviously, from the other side about whether it might be worth it to kind of push your chips in and by doing that, trying to take a big swing on, on whoever that might be at number, number four overall. So it's a pretty interesting sort of two-sided discussion here. Can you fill us in on this side of the country, those of us who aren't too familiar? What is what is going on? What is the dynamic right now between John Collins and the Atlanta Hawks and why they'd be maybe more willing to move on from him? Yeah, it's really interesting. I've kind of been not flummoxed, but a little bit uh, just intrigued by how available he has been and how many rumors he has been in over the last, I don't know, 18 months, 24 months, uh, both before he signed the deal uh, that he's currently on, uh, you know, before that, uh, before for agency. Uh, he seems to be perpetually at least kind of on the block. They're not like openly looking to move him in an urgent way. That's never really been the feel that I've gotten, but he's, a, he's at the very least quite available and on a contract that I think is a pretty good one for him, but at the same time, it's not this like, you know, hyper steel either he's kind of appropriately paid at this point after getting the five-year deal that he got and uh, he's a really good player but the Hawks um, you know at, at least around the Hawks I'm not sure uh, inside the Hawks but certainly around the conversation um, they don't have the number two guy and I think that Collins is the number two guy on the roster and that he's making that money and he's been their number two scorer but he's not your, your prototypical number two on a, on a towel contender and after the Hawks made that, that run to the final four last year uh, people got a little bit excited about the future so it's one of those things where he's he's quite good I'm higher on him than I think most people are, uh, both locally and nationally. But um, he's kind of right on that line where, like, you have to have, he's got to be available, but he's also quite good. So they don't want to give him away. I'm going to break a, a media rule here and ask a two part question. <laughs> uh, John Collins, you said there's there's questions about whether or not he can be a number two. How about a number three? Is that something, one, he'd be willing to accept? And then what do you see his fit? How do you see his fit going alongside DeMontis Sabonis? Kings acquired Sabonis at the trade deadline. They've been looking for a front court partner with him that fits well with Sabonis more, uh, complements Sabonis' style, not known for his floor spacing. The Kings run their offense through Sabonis a lot of the time. He's been one of their primary distributors in the 15 games that we saw him. Uh, he needs the space down low to score and, and, and do his work as well. Do you like John Collins' fit potentially with that? Yeah, I think that he, um, on, a, on a title, let's, let's just say hypothetically on a contender, he probably needs to be your third best player. Um, I think he's somewhere in that neighborhood of like a top 50-ish top 60-ish guy in the league, which basically makes you a number three on a good team. Um, and I think in, ter in terms of the, of the Kings, um, you know, part of the thing with Collins is that he is very versatile. And I think one of the reasons, even locally, that he's gotten a little bit, uh, maybe a little bit cooler from Hawks fans is because his numbers are down, his, his counting stats are down. But I think you can really draw a line from that to Clint Capella and playing with Clint Capella versus when he was playing not with, with a different center before. And he's had just kind of less touches. But he's been the guy who's been willing to talk about the Kings and both in Atlanta. He's willing to change his game and he's versatile enough to do that where he has been more of a pick and pop guy. 
where he was a pick and roll guy almost exclusively early in his career, he can do both. And that's one of the good things about him. He, he can defend fours. He can defend fives at, at times. He's not a great rim protector, but I think he's an underrated defender at this point. He used to be pretty brutal, honestly, like early in his career. He was a pretty bad defender in college, pretty bad defender, but he's come a long way. Um, so long story short, I think that he would fit pretty well with Sabonis, I think especially because – in the, in the pairing that he has now with Capella, they're both there at their best when they're rolling to the rim, whereas Sabonis is not really that kind of pick-and-roll dive man. He can do a little bit of that, obviously, but he's more, like you say, more of a fulcrum, not necessarily like a you know a, a guy who's catching a lot of lobs, et cetera. Collins is a great role man, and he, and he can also space it out, and he's been shooting, I think, 38% from three the last three seasons combined. So I think that, that fit would make a lot of sense. You know, Defensively, is that the best pairing in the world? Maybe not. But I think Collins is underrated on that end of the floor and basically just fine. You know, Obviously, Sabonis is a full-time center. Not the greatest defender, as you probably know at this point. But I think that he does kind of fill in a lot of the gaps with Sabonis if you were, if you were to uh, acquire him. Yeah, you touched on this a little bit. Specifically, the Kings, two of the biggest boxes they're looking to check for Sabonis' long-term partner uh, is uh, floor spacing and rim protection. And you, you, can you kind of go a little bit more detail? You talked about the 38% over the last three years. So we know he's capable of spacing the floor enough for hopefully defenses to either have to respect him or get punished if they do decide to leave him to maybe double Sabonis or deal with the Aaron Fox, who's going to be trying to attack the basket. Uh, but what about uh, rim protection wise? I'm not expecting phenomenal blocking numbers or paint defense from Collins necessarily, but can he do enough to get the Kings out of the cellar of the NBA defensively? Yeah, I think he is a capable rim protector. One of the things about his growth as a defender has that is, big, is, is that he's been more attentive and more, I think, uh, just kind of learning where to be using skills that he has. Because he's, he's not he's not a seven footer. He's like six nine, maybe six ten on a good day. Um, but he's a great athlete and he can protect the rim a little bit. If he's your best rim protector, you're not in the greatest spot, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, so I think if you were drawing up a defensive pairing with, with Sabonis, he wouldn't be the worst, but he wouldn't be the best either. Um, you certainly would want somebody that's a little bit, a little bit more dynamic back there. But I think that he is someone, especially because of the offensive fit, could be truly awesome with those two guys. Uh, you might take a little bit of that back, and clearly it wouldn't change the identity of the Kings as an offense-first team to bring in John Collins. But certainly, uh, if you're looking at sort of the overarching uh, both sides of the floor kind of thing, he does fit pretty well. It's just that you would probably be wishing he was 10% better, 20% better defensively by the time you were uh, sort of watching a half season. You're like, okay, I get it, but also he's not going to change your life on that end of the floor. Financially, it wouldn't work for the Kings to do number four for John Collins straight up. But for the sake of this uh, this conversation, I say, hey, the, the Kings put number four on the table in terms of what the Hawks can get for John Collins. Are they like, absolutely, deal, we'll take it right now? Are they considering it? Are they, they need more? Like, where you think Atlanta would be with, like, is four the best case scenario for what they could probably get for Collins? Yeah, it's it's really fascinating, and I don't like candidly. I don't. I'm not going to lie to you on the podcast. I don't have a great feel for this. I, I think that uh, they would certainly be open to moving him, but with where the Hawks are in their cycle, they'd have to kind of take a step back almost willingly because he does make them so much better now that no matter what, they'd have to be in love with someone at four. I feel like to do this mm -hmm. kind of trade just because of where they are. You know, no matter what, you might think about where they are in their cycle after they after they lost in the first round of the playoffs. They got that taste of the conference finals with a similar group. And I think from ownership on down, they're not in patience mode in Atlanta. They're certainly kind of in a win now space. And they've been talking about it like that. They've been pretty open about how they want upgrades and they didn't like that. They brought everybody back. It didn't work last year, et cetera. If they were in love with someone, whether it be Jade Nivey or one of the other guys at number four, I think it would be plausible to me that they might do this. 
both both to save some money, to be honest, if they could maybe figure that out, because the Hawks have a very, very large uh, bill coming due with all their guys that they've paid already, but also uh, to take a swing on the number two guy. Um, if they don't, if there's not a guy there that they love at number four, I don't think they would probably do this, to be honest. I think it's almost conditional. Um, I'd be I'd be pretty surprised if they made this move before the draft, not knowing who was there at four. That would kind of surprise me. It's a decent value proposition. I think if you were just like, okay, in a vacuum, number four pick value versus John Collins value on his current contract, that's a pretty close proposition in my mind. But for me, it seems like, and what I've heard is the Hawks – want to win. They don't want to take a step back. And, you know, through that lens, a rookie's not really going to help you do that in year one, maybe even year two. So that's kind of the thing. Like you, you almost have to just love somebody that you can draft number four. And that, that might, that guy might be out there, but I don't know that for sure. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense for me, but I, I, I couldn't help when you were going through that feeling and questioning, like Atlanta also has to be reasonable. And I genuinely wonder what better could they get for John Collins? They could probably get a player who is already a proven NBA talent, a proven NBA commodity, which helps their win now, right? But doesn't have arguably as high of a ceiling as a number four overall pick uh, would have in this draft. So reasonably, Brad, like what outside of this number four pick, and you don't have to necessarily name names or teams or anything like that, because I'm sure there's a bunch of hypothetical (laughs) trades out there, but value-wise, what can Atlanta reasonably expect for a player like Collins? Yeah, it really depends on the urgency of what of, of how of how much they're shopping him. That's, that's their thing. They could just stand pat. That, for, in my mind, and I think in their minds, they're not in a position where they have to trade him, and that kind of puts you in a, in a position of strength. Um, but I think that in general, you're probably looking at a little bit more uh, present facing kind of package. But your question is a good one in that you know you're probably looking to upgrade. They, broadly speaking, they have these two areas that they want to that, that, that they want to address this year, and it's basically another creator on the perimeter, someone who can take the pressure off Trey Young mm-hmm. and like wing defense. Mm-hmm. And so there, there are guys that, you know, if you want to just say match up, maybe Collins is like slightly better than these guys, but they, they fit better, et cetera. They could do a swap like that. They could also just like this, like this hypothetical with the Kings look to get a little bit younger, get a little bit cheaper and also take a swing at the same time. There's also a scenario. I was actually asked this on a recent podcast of mine by a guest. Like what if it's the Kings, but it's also what if it's like John Collins and stuff for number four and Harrison Barnes, mm-hmm. like something like something like that. Not that Barnes fixes their problems, but he gives them a ready-made, you know, combo forward starter type. And the thing is, the, the secret with the Hawks right now is if they trade if they trade Collins, they don't really have a starting power forward on their roster. Like Gallinari could be around, but also might not be. He's on this non-guaranteed contract, etc. He's also getting a little bit older. They draft Jalen Johnson last year, and he barely played. So I think if the Hawks again through the prism of wanting to win next year. Uh, you, you kind of have to replace Collins with someone, whether, whether that's Harrison Barnes or not. They have to have a plan. It's a kind of a combo plan. If you if, just if, if you just trade Collins for four, there has to be a second move or a third move on top of that. And it's not always as easy to sort of draw those up in a lab. Today's episode of the Locked On Kings podcast is brought to you by Truebill. Truebill is an absolute must have app. My wife and I use it almost every single day. Do you know why free trials renew without your consent? It's a business scam to get your money out of you without you even realizing it. Do not let greedy corporations pocket your money. Download Truebill and take control of your subscriptions. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions that you don't need, want, or simply forgot about. On average, people save up to $720 a year with Truebill because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel. Truebill makes it incredibly simple. All you have to do is link your accounts. Truebill will cancel your unwatched subscriptions in one tap. It truly is that easy. Within three hours of downloading the app, I canceled $100 a month 
worth of subscriptions. Some of them that I had honestly completely forgotten about. In addition to canceling subscriptions, it helps you uh, balance your accounts. It helps show you any financial trends, like how much money you're spending per month on food, how much money you're spending uh, per month on uh, on grocery shopping, everything in between. Uh, it has it all. Truebill is an excellent app. Do not fall for subscription scams and manage your money better. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Again, that's Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. It could save you thousands of dollars a year. Locked on Kings is also brought to you by our great friends over at Built Bar. Thank goodness it's my birthday month because the new birthday cake puffs are delicious. They are perfect. Unfortunately, I didn't save any for my birthday itself coming up next week. I ate them as soon as I got them. They're so delicious. If you're not familiar with these puffs, they're protein-infused marshmallows. And in addition to their new birthday cake puffs, they also have the delicious brownie batter puffs. These treats are incredibly delicious. They satisfy that sweet tooth. But in addition to that, they are good for you. You're talking 140 calories, 17 grams of protein, only seven grams of sugar. Are you kidding me? And they taste better than most of the treats that you're going to get. In addition to their great built bars that are covered in 100% chocolate, there's so many different flavors for you to try. Mint brownie is my favorite. It's like taking a bite of, of warm mint chocolate chip ice cream. They're so delicious. Whatever you get, Make sure you go to built.com and use our promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. I'm glad you brought up Harrison Barnes because I'm in the camp and maybe I'm undervaluing uh, John Collins or overvaluing the Kings package, which is very common for the perspective that I have and the perspective that local guys have with their teams. I'm, I'm hesitant in the sense that I would not attach Harrison Barnes and the number four pick for John Collins, the stuff that you mentioned yeah. that that's the caveat for me is what is that stuff? Is that stuff just filler to make finances work? Cause if that's the case, then if I'm Sacramento, I feel like I could get a better deal or be better off just taking a picture or to uh, rather taking a player at number four. But if that stuff is like, I guess the best question for you is what is that stuff? Is this stuff of value or is this stuff of filler? I think it have to be something of value. You know, Collins makes a little bit more than Barnes does. Uh, yeah, actually, you know, the four, I think like five million more next year than Barnes does. So the money would probably work one for one. Um, that kind of helps you make it easier. But you know, the Hawks have their own pick this year. They have a future pick coming from Charlotte via New York in the Cam Reddish trade. That's like a it's protected, so it's like a you know mid to late first. But they have all their own picks. I think it would probably be something like that. It would be something like Collins and a pick, maybe two four Barnes and four would be like the pretty natural move. If only because if you start adding players, like you could try to attach Kevin Herter or Jalen Johnson or whoever, but then that adds money for the Kings. Um, I'm not sure if they want to do that or not. So I think the, again, we're kind of just spitballing here, but it, it makes sense for me on kind of both sides that, you know, the Kings don't necessarily need Harrison. I mean, actually they're better with Harrison Barnes. He's a, he's a good player, but he's an expiring contract. Mm -hmm. If you could turn that into, turn that into John Collins for three, four years. Um, and then, yeah, you take a haircut in the draft, but if you can replace that with the 16th overall pick this year, let's just say that's obviously a pretty viable asset. It's not, it's not on the same level as number four overall pick, but it's like to kind of flip it around in a vacuum. What's worth more to you? The Harrison Barnes on an expiring contract or number 16 overall pick. That's mm. pretty close too, in my mind. Like mm. I think four and Collins are fairly close together. You can certainly argue both sides. Same with 16 and Barnes. So if you come up, if you sort of put those two together, it's kind of a reasonable hypothetical. Maybe you kind of have one team throw in something else uh, smaller, second round picks or whatever, but that kind of does make some sense to me.
The Kings, the one thing they do have is significant amount of expiring contracts, including Harrison Barnes's, which you mentioned. So if the Kings have to add money to a deal just to make the money work, I don't think they're too afraid to do that. They just can't add so much money and so many players that roster spots become a problem. But Brad, I guess the last thing I'll do with this, and this is kind of getting real deep into the weeds, and I have no idea if the finances work for this. Again, we're just falling here. But if to continue with this conversation, continue with this hypothetical that you were putting out there, the Kings were to offer some package of four Harrison Barnes and a salary filler like an Alex Len, a Justin Holiday, uh, former Hawks, yeah, two, two former Hawks, Justin <laughs> Holiday and Alex Len, love exactly. that. Exactly, Salar- uh, salary filler at the end for a package uh, that that is um, Collins, Herder, and that future pick, or honestly, potentially even taking that future pick out of it. Do you think the Hawks humor that idea of mainly giving up two starters in Collins and Herder that I think the Kings would have interest in? Yeah, I think it comes down to again being just in love with someone at four. I mean that that that, that honestly that that's the crux of this whole thing. Sure. I, I I would be surprised if the if the Hawks just did this move in a vacuum without knowing who would be there at four. Mm. Um, to, putting that aside, let's say they did love somebody at four. Um, I think if you put Holiday in there and maybe take the pick out and like you know Holiday obviously not this great asset, but certainly a starting, you know, a rotation caliber wing um, and Kevin Herter, who's on a decent contract. Now he just got paid, but it's not like an overpay. That makes some sense to me, especially if you, if you take the first, I, th- I think Herter and the first to, is probably a little bit much for me. I agree. I agree. Um, but if you, if you take the pick out, um, that kind of levels it out because Herter is probably worth a first round pick in a vacuum. And then you, mm-hmm. you, you get some value from Holiday. Cause if it's Lynn, Lynn's kind of just a nothing for a win. Like I actually kind of like Alex Lynn, but he's, he's a backup center. It's what he is. Yeah. Uh, Holiday as like a fourth wing is a pretty solid player for cheap that the Hawks could actually quite use. So that actually would be pretty interesting to me. I could even include Mo Harkless in there as well, but I think Mo makes a little bit less money than Holiday, so that's why I entered him. Well, it sounds like, and I had a conversation recently with Kuka Hill from Locked On Pistons, and we were talking about the idea of a 4-5 swap and Jeremy Grant coming to Sacramento. And really the caveat where we got hung up is the same place that we're kind of getting hung up in this conversation, which is who's going to be there at four. And yeah. for the uh, for Koo, the stipulation was, well, if we get to draft night and Paulo Banchero or, or someone in that top three group falls and is available to four, then they pick up the phone and call the Kings and say, we know he's not making it past you guys. We're, we're, we'll take that pick now. So in your mind, is it kind of the same scenario where one of those top three has to fall or do you think a Jaden Ivy, a, a Sharp, uh, Keegan Murray, uh, I don't know, any of these names, AJ Griffin, are these names that you think ping the interest of the Hawks enough? Like if you're in love with a guy is what you've been yeah. saying. Do any of those names make sense for you to think the Hawks would be in love with them enough to pull the trigger on this? Yeah, it's kind of a twofold. Like in my in my mind, uh, my own evaluation, uh, it would require probably one of those guys to fall. I'm not quite as high on Ivy as some mm-hmm. Um I, I do think that if you were in love with Ivy, I think that that fit is actually the guy. He's the guy everyone's talking about with the Hawks and especially with the Kings because it's four and you kind of just assume the top three will be the top three and it's okay. Jaden Ivy. Um, if you thought Jaden Ivy was a, was a premium, you know, a list prospect, then yeah, I think, but at the end of the day, it, it kind of just requires you to be in love with that guy. And if it's me personally, I don't think any of those guys, maybe, maybe Chet Holmgren is of that value, but uh, he's not going to get there anyway. I don't think to number four. So um, for me, I am higher on Collins than most. And I, and I know that. So I probably would shy away from this hypothetical in general, mm-hmm. especially knowing what the Hawks are valuing and what, where they are in their cycle. But I do think it's, it's fair. If that makes sense. Like, you just kind of have to really, really like one of these guys or maybe even two of these guys or three of these guys. Like there's gotta be some level of certainty there because it really is. If you are the Hawks and you are trying to be 
quite good next year, it's a big swing because you have to almost be willing to take a step back because no matter who that rookie is, they're not going to probably make you a lot better, especially if you're training for John Collins. They're going to be worse than John Collins next year. No question Mm. about that. Excellent context, Brad. Really appreciate you coming on Locked on Kings to either put some of our minds at ease, maybe (laughs) Kings fans who weren't too keen on the idea of John Collins, or maybe you made some Kings fans who want John Collins even more excited about the possibility to trade. One thing's for sure, what was probably heavily unlikely at the trade deadline now seems at least there there's a conversation to be had uh and and that's uh, enough interest in its own right here for this offseason we'll see if these two teams end up uh making a deal if they do i'm sure we'll reconnect and, and, and chat about it but i appreciate you so much man keep you up the great work over there in atlanta uh, and i look forward to talking to you soon thanks for having me always fun to do these uh, hypotheticals because they're uh, it's, it's how we get through the offseason together a new sponsor of the Locked on Kings podcast, but I'm so glad they are here. I'm talking about Sakara. Sakara is a wellness company anchored in food as medicine on a mission to nourish your body through the power of plants. Sakara gives you the tools that you need to transform your life with their organic, ready-to-eat meal delivery program and functional wellness essentials. Their nutritionally designed, chef-crafted breakfasts, lunch and dinners are made with powerful plant-rich ingredients. They help you boost your energy, support your digestion, curb your sugar cravings, and get your skin glowing. Plus, it's all delivered right to your door, ready to eat. You don't have to go through the hassle of grocery shopping to get all these great recipes. Sakara's functional plant-rich wellness essentials help you create a body that you love living in and you feel good in, most importantly. From their best-selling metabolism super powder to the foundation, which is their daily supplement packs, Sakara's products are designed to support your wellness goals anytime anywhere. Right now, Sakara is offering our listeners 20% off of their first order when you go to sakara.com slash locked on 20 or enter code locked on 20 at checkout. Again, for locked on Kings listeners at Sakara, S-A-K-A-R-A.com, you enter promo code locked 20 and you get 20% off your first order. Huge thank you to Brad for joining me here again on the Locked On Kings podcast. Real pleasure uh, having him join me as always. Do you feel better about the possibility of a John Collins trade? Do you feel worse about it? Are you interested in John Collins or do you want to avoid him altogether? Let me know how you're feeling at Matt George Sack on Twitter. Email me mattgeorgesports at gmail.com or leave your thoughts in the YouTube comment section down below. Uh, I talked on yesterday's podcast after my conversation with Kuka Hill, I talked a lot about how I think the debate between Jaden Ivey and Keenan Murray, or rather Keegan Murray, excuse me, uh, for that, if the Kings were to make a selection at that fourth spot, I think that debate is going to get pretty uh, intense, pretty heavy, and pretty fun here uh, over the months leading up to the next 30 days or so leading up to the draft itself. Those are the two names, assuming that the top three is as set in stone as we think it is. Those are the two names that really interest me, and I know interest a lot of Sacramento Kings fans. But after that episode, I checked the comment section, also checked my email, had a lot of you reaching out saying, but if you're going to talk about those two, you also have to talk about Shaden Sharp, who is the uh, the freshman technically coming out of Kentucky, even though he didn't play a single game for Kentucky. And that right there is why I'm a little more nervous. Now, Shaden Sharp, from what I understand, and I've done a lot of research today on him, have not watched him play. I've watched his high school mixtapes that you can find on YouTube, but I, I never watched a single one of his high school games. So b- before today, I didn't really know much about the guy, if I'm being completely honest with you. But I do know, based off of conversations that I've had, based off of what I've read, that he has tremendous upside. At one point, he was pegged as, as one of the top prospects, maybe even the number one prospect uh, in or going into college basketball in high school. Uh, and probably had a really good chance to be the number one overall pick if what happened this year didn't happen. And from what I understand about his situation, basically he he reclassified 
uh, and did not play a single game for the University in Kentucky despite being there. It's not that he was hurt. Again, as far as I understand, he just did not play. So really all we have to do or all we have to go by with Sharp is this tremendous upside that he brought into Kentucky from his excellent career as a high school basketball player and, and, and his potential uh, as a young player. And looking at these high school mixtapes, there's excitement, there's good moves, there's uh, things to be things to like about Sharp as a, as a shooting guard, things to like about him as an offensive star going forward. But me personally, the reason why I focus more of my attention on Jaden Ivey and Keegan Murray and, and less on Sharp is the fact that we haven't seen him play in the year, the fact that all we have to go by is what he did against high schoolers. Look, all these players that make it into college, most of them were the best players on their team, especially when they're playing at a, like a D1 level, like playing for Duke or playing for the University of Kentucky. These guys were the best players on their high school team. And the guys that make the NBA are typically the best players on their college team. That doesn't mean you're going to be successful at the NBA level. So as much as I like some of the things that I've seen out of Sharp, and as much as I understand the praise uh, and and the list of intangibles and, and, and pros that we've seen scouts put out there, I haven't seen him play at the college level, and I don't know how well his game is going to translate to the pro level. I don't know how well any of these guys' games are going to translate to the pro level, to the NBA level, but at least for Murray, for Ivy, for Chet, for Jabari, I've seen what they can do at the college level, and I can make connections that feel a little more tangible, that feel a little more real to the NBA than I can watching a high school mixtape of a player who hasn't played for a year. So I personally... I'm not too confident with the idea of Shaden Sharp, especially with where the Sacramento Kings are at this point in time. Again, none of these rookies totally helped the Kings accomplish their goal of improving their roster with win-now caliber players right now to try and make the playoffs next year. I think any of these rookies that I've talked about, uh, especially at the range of the fourth overall pick, can come in and be contributors, but they're not going to be as high impact, I believe, as a John Collins would be, or even a Jeremy Grant would be from the Detroit Pistons, who I know have been in the league and can contribute at this level right away. But if I am going to pick a rookie, I'm again leaning more towards rookies that I've seen recently that I'm more comfortable and confident with. And Ivy and Murray and others are, even AJ Griffin, are ahead of Sharp uh, in that category for me. If the Kings were to pick Sharp, I could wrap my brain around it. I could support it. I would definitely be nervous about it. But if you're a fan of Shaden Sharp, if you really think that the Kings should take a close look at him and that he would be a great fit in Sacramento, tell me why. At Matt George Sack uh, on Twitter, mattgeorgesports.gmail.com. Email me if you're watching on YouTube. Tell me in the YouTube comment section down below. I'd love to hear about it. I want to know why you're confident in him, even though all we have to go by is his high school mixtapes and his high school numbers. They were impressive. Don't get me wrong. And I do believe he deserves to be in the lottery of this draft. But for what the Kings need, versus who's probably going to be available at that four spot in addition to Sharp. Uh, I, I, I think I personally am okay at this point in time, but there's still plenty of time for you to change my mind. So feel free to reach out. I appreciate you very, very much. I have so many great guests still to come here on the Locked on Kings podcast. Uh, you'll notice over the next few episodes that uh, I'm going to be wearing the same outfit in these interviews. That's because I'm doing four interviews in one day uh, to get all these guests in. The amount of content that's going to come through Locked on Kings uh, is going to be nuts. I have Mike Carmen uh, coming in to talk a lot uh, he, he covered Purdue and he's going to talk a lot uh, with us about um, 
about Jaden Ivey. I have so many other great guests in addition to that, trying to bring up the list. Uh, Aaron Torres from uh, Fox Sports Radio covers college basketball. He's going to join me. He was with me last year covering the draft. Uh, John uh, Wasserman, one of the draft gurus over there at Bleacher Report. He does a lot of their mock drafts there. He's going to join me. Rafael Barlow from the Lockdown Podcast Network, Lockdown NBA Podcast and NBA Big Board. Uh, he's going to be joining me. I have Steve Wiseman who covers the uh, Duke Blue Devils basketball. He's going to talk about Paulo Blanchero and AJ Griffin. Uh, I have um, uh, finally, or I have Ryland Styles coming in to talk about the Kings uh, potentially uh, trading their fourth overall pick to the Oklahoma City Thunder and whether or not they could possibly swing a, a deal for Shea Gilgis Alexander uh, and so many more great guests that I'm still working on booking here for the Locked on Kings podcast. Very, very excited about all these guests coming in. So I hope you will continue to stick with me here on Locked on Kings. And join me all the way up until the draft itself. We're going to have a lot of fun coverage for you. You're going to be informed, if nothing else, when it comes to draft night for the Sacramento Kings. And also, for those of you who haven't done so already, I'm doing a giveaway here on the Locked on Kings podcast, but you have a little work to do. If you can help me get over 350 reviews on Apple Podcasts, and currently we're right at 300 or just over 300. So we only need, we need less than 50 to get there. If you can leave a review on Apple Podcasts to get us over that 350 number, I will be giving away a pair of Kings opening night tickets. Again, over 350 reviews. I'm buying and giving away a pair of tickets to the Kings opening night for next season inside of the Golden One Center. So if the Kings take Jay Nivey, if they take Sharp, if they trade for John Collins, if they take Keegan Murray, you will be able to go and see them their first game in Sacramento. Very excited about that. So help me get over that mark. All you have to do is go to Apple Podcasts, make an account. It takes two seconds if you don't already have one. Hit five stars. There's a little box for you to leave a custom review why you like Locked on Kings, why you encourage others to listen to Locked on Kings. That really helps us get this show out there, get it noticed more uh, during this offseason draft buildup. I really would appreciate that. And of course, word of mouth, sharing this podcast with your friends and fellow Kings fans. That means a lot to me. Thank you so much for joining me today. Can't wait to have you join me on the next episode of Locked On Kings. Until then, my name is Matt George. You've been listening to the Locked On Kings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.